0: I've created some space in myself. I've been able to sort of, you know, create this feeling where I'm aligned. And then the opening towards joy comes from within.
1: Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast, where we showcase phenomenal individuals who have overcome serious traumas, life obstacles, and challenges to find their own path to fearless happiness. Listen as Max Naist invites guests from all around the world to share their experiences and spread strength, hope, and faith. This is the Fearless Happiness Podcast, and this is Max Naist. All right, everybody, good morning, good afternoon, good evening,
2: wherever you are in this world. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast. Today, I have an amazing, amazing guest for you today. Her name is Lane, but I'm going to let you tell her about herself. What I like to do, Lane, is have you introduce yourself to my audience, tell them who you are and exactly it is what you do, and then we're going to get started.
0: Okay. Well, awesome, Max. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah. My name is Lane Gardner. I am a speaker. I am an arts educator. I'm a singer-songwriter. And um, my life has always sort of been about using the arts as a way to help myself heal and feel better, and also, you know, eventually really started um, doing the same for other people, um, individuals and communities. I come from a traumatic background as a kid, and, um, you know, the arts ended up being my lifeline. They ended up being the thing that helped save my life and keep me going. And so I began to realize how powerful the arts are and um, began to realize that the arts are not really about being an artist. They're really about an avenue a toolbox that we all have within us that can really help us become our fullest self and so that's uh, that's sort of the 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 down and dirty version of what uh, <laughs> what I'm all about
2: i love it so lane you're right the the arts right like and i'll be honest with you and my audience like i cannot draw a stick person to save my life or read music i love music but uh, you know, right, like sometimes we have these things that have happened in the past and a certain song will bring that memory right back like it was yesterday, right? It'll either either be healing or it'll bring back, you know, a bad memory or something, right? But, but generally, like you're right, like the arts are very healing, right? Like it could be used for so much good. And it is. And I, a funny story. So when I was in elementary, I think it was fourth or fifth grade, my aunt, wanted me to play an instrument right i had no idea so she hands me a trumpet and says you're gonna do this right so like i remember sitting next to kids that could read music and i looked at the sheet like i have no I, like what am i doing here like i felt bad but i just tried to play along until the teacher realized you've never played an instrument i go no i might not want me to do this really bad but um but yeah the arts like i i love music i love seeing very beautiful art you know and so tell my audience you said you came from a traumatic childhood like what were you don't have you dive as deep as you want but like what were some of those challenges that led you to where you're at today
0: yeah so i was um raised part of my childhood in a fundamentalist religious cult which um it was just a whole a whole experience um that was so crushing to me on an individual level. Um, if you even just take the religion out of it, and, and um, because I know we all have our own experience of religion and faith and 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 belief, and and those are incredibly powerful things that drive us as human beings. But in a situation where I was at, religion was used to control and manipulate and 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 you know brainwash people mostly, and so. As a young child, that really messed with my developmental process. I was being told and demanded to believe and to behave in certain ways that really kept me from becoming myself, right? I became right. a ver- somebody else's version of what I was told I had to be or else I would be you know, in terrible trouble, right? I would be, I would die. Basically, it's like what the the fear is such a, a component of of cults, right? And so, over those early years, I I really lost contact with what I understood to be my best qualities as a person, as a young person. And um, it was sort of this crushing, suffocating, slowly kind of, (laughs) you know, perishing kind of experience over the course of, you know, between, between um, I would say like age five to age 18. And, um, but the beautiful part about it is this, that I, um, on my mother's side of the family, many of those family members were self-taught musicians. And so even though I was in this crazy scenario, whenever I would be visiting that side of the family, there were these just joyous, miraculous jam sessions. And everybody was, and you you know, you didn't even have to play an instrument, right? You could, right. You could just come in and you could play, you know, bang on the table or sing or dance or clap. And it was just this joyous, connective experience. And so, That was a thing, I think that was a seed that lived in me that I understood and I witnessed as a young person that creating together, making music, expressing yourself in this sort of fun and pressure-free way was something that could really help people because I saw in the course of these experiences how all the things that were so difficult and so painful kind of dissipated in those moments when we were making music together. And so I just kind of grew up understanding, hey, there's something to this creative thing. Um, Ultimately, what happened for me is that I began to kind of get involved in the arts in community theater, voice lessons, piano lessons. And I very quickly realized that this was sort of my lifeline. And that's actually the title of my book, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit. But That experience of participating in the arts as a young person in a community, in a, in a, in a studying, you know, kind of studying with a teacher or being in a group of people gave me a sense of safety, gave me a sense of um, that there was something else out there besides this deeply, deeply destructive um, belief system that I was living in under, you know, and so that component that element for me really kept me alive as a young person and so i i went on to um actually become a professional singer-actor that was my first career um and i made a a a performance career sort of you know traveled around and, and and um you know performed all over the country and then ultimately what happened for me is i realized that I wanted to be able to start helping other people because I knew what the power of the arts had been for me. And so the latter part of my life really became about developing tools and and um, methods per se. I don't know. It's a kind of a, a unique and individual thing um, to really help people to utilize the arts as an avenue for healing and for helping themselves and not just an avenue for oh I have to be an artist if I don't paint well I uh, you know I can't use the arts or if I don't sing like uh, Beyonce I you know like I um, (laughs) my mission has always sort of been to help destigmatize creativity and and to make it not be scary for adults right we lose that as we get older, we tend to start thinking as, of, of creativity as something that's, like, a little terrifying and a little bit, uh, you know, like, I don't, I don't do that anymore. You know, that's right. for kids, right? And, um, <laughs> right, exactly, right? And so the work that I've done, and it's taken many different forms over the last 30 years, but um, it's really about helping people to realize that they have everything that they need inside of them Um, to navigate the ups and downs of the journey. And using their unique creative expression is an avenue to help them access those inner treasures, those inner resources, those inner assets. And that's sort of where, you know, where that early trauma has carried me. And, you know, listen, I'm still using creativity every day to feel better, you know, like, Right. I struggle with anxiety, depression, overwhelm, you name it, right? As somebody who comes from a trauma background. So these tools that I help others, I use every day. And I, I know the power of them. And, um, you know, it just works. It just works. And there's more and more data and more and more science showing the benefits of creativity. But without the data, without the science, when you use these tools you know that they work for you. And that's the power that you can harness from accessing your own creative expression in this way.
2: Right. And see, I love that, what you're talking about, right? Because, right. There's those, there's those cults or whatever you want to call them, right. That have ruined faith for a lot of people. Right. Because when some people think of a cult, they think of religion and they all that's cult, right? Like even I got to even t- like I've had people tell me AA's is a cult. Okay, so what? You know, of course, nothing's perfect, right? Yeah. But you found a way to heal, right? To 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 escape whatever was going on, right? Um, because you see it in the movies. There's a lot of movies that you've seen where people use their creative side to escape that the trauma that they're going through, even if it's just for that hour, you know you could see it in their eyes, like in the movies, like, okay, I got away for a minute. Right. And and I'm like you, right. Whatever your faith is, however you find your spirituality, right. A lot of people do it through the arts, right. That's their, I'd say that's their spirituality. I'll say, right. That's how they find their healing time. It's what helps them uh, get through the tough times like us who suffer from anxiety or depression and, Um, because if you know, I mean, you probably see it on the news, right? You see some of these famous people that will talk about suffering from severe depression or anxiety, but when they're on that stage and they're singing or playing, you know, their music or painting or whatever for that moment, they're just, they're alive and and nothing's going to bother them. Right. And that's, you know, it's, you don't see it as much, I think, like as when we were younger, where there's arts you know like the schools pushed the arts like they used to when i was young right Mm -hmm. i wish um i knew how to play an instrument but i love music right so if i want to escape it's a great escape when you just want to check out for a minute listen to one of your favorite songs or right watch whatever a video um so talk about that a little bit more like growing up so like when you realize that the arts Because I know you've probably got, when you say cult, people are going to listen and say, oh, she went through some really tough times. How did that pull you out, right? Because some people stay stuck, as you know, and they can't find that way, right? And you and I are like those people that want to just grab them and go, hey, there's a better life. Try this or try that. Um, I mean, did you have any support? Did anybody realize like what was going on or some of those same people stuck still in that back then? And,
1: yeah. You
0: know I mean? I, yeah. I mean, I write about this a lot in the book. I didn't have any support. I didn't have a voice of reason in my life, an, a, a, an adult, a mentor, you know, who said to me, hey, listen, <laughs> this is crazy, you know, right. and listen, I know that you can't get out of this and, it, you know, because of, you know, it's a family thing. I didn't have that. And one of the things that I, I really, I talk so specifically about in the book, and I also, you know, really work with the people that I that I am working with, whether in individuals and communities, is that some part of me Some wise part of me as a young person, as a teenager, as a 20 something, some wise part of me knew what to do, right?
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: it knew that getting into the arts was going to be a helpful avenue for me to get out, first of all. And being in the arts as a young person, yes, it physically got me out of the house, but what it did was it helped to cut through a lot of that brainwashing. Because being in the arts, when you are creating, like you were saying before, when somebody's painting, or they're listening to music, or they're singing a song, what they're doing is they are in the flow of expressing themselves, right? And this concept of flow is kind of everywhere, right? This idea, whether it's like a somebody who's improvising, you know, in the moment. Right. A, a comedy act or a, or a jazz musician or even, you know, there are certain, you know, Eastern um, um, schools of thought that talk about, like, sort of this, like, meditation and you're in this flow and you're able mm-hmm. to sort of access um, ideas and thoughts and and solutions to things, right?
2: Right. Um,
0: and so that's the component of the arts, it, it can put you in this flow that kind of takes you out of this concept of what your mind is thinking. And it helps you access parts of yourselves that already know what you need, right? And maybe right. you're not like conscious of it and saying like, you know, but by putting yourself in this flow situation, and for me, it was in in singing and theater and whatnot. Um, so I was able to access the part of me that knew okay stay in the arts go into the arts you know and so i you know and that's one of the things i've always grieved so much growing up and then it's after you know like i and i you know got into therapy around age 30 and i grieved the fact that i didn't have anybody in my life who was helping me i had to figure it out and i became totally gritty and totally scrappy but out of survival out of necessity right and right Who doesn't know what that is? We all have that experience in our lives where something comes our way and we have, you know, shit gets real and you have to get scrappy and you have to get resourceful and you have to fight for it. And we all know what that's like and we all find the ways to do that. But what did you do when you were getting scrappy and resourceful? You went inside and you accessed part of yourself that knew how to help you, right? right. And so that's the cool thing about, for me, is like, when I look back, I you know, I turned 50 last year and I, you know, wasn't expecting to write this book, but I wrote this book and I look back and I thought to myself, like, God, well, how did I even get through all this stuff? Like, I really, it Max. was a story that I never wanted to tell, honestly, Max. Right. I was ashamed of it. I was embarrassed. I was traumatized by it, and I didn't want to tell that story. I wanted to just leave it in the past. I got out. Let me just go do my thing. Um, And so, you know, when I was kind of digging back into it, when I was writing this book, I just thought to myself, like, how did I even do all that? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Right. And I I think we should think of that for ourselves when we look back at how, different levels of incredible wisdom and success that we've had at different stages where Absolutely. we don't know how we, how did we do it we don't know how we did it but we did it and that's that brilliance that lives inside of us that you know we can connect with and have access to and let it help us when we can know that it's there and start to kind of harness it you know
2: Right. And I believe that 100%, right? Because I think about like the nine years of my addiction where it was the worst, right? And I can look back and go, how did I survive this month or this six months of my life? And right. And then I came up with when I got sober, when I wrote my book, came up with this saying, just like, because it brought me back when you said it, it's like, you have everything you need to be great today. Like, it's already in you. You just mm-hmm. have to learn how to tap into it, right? Whether we believe it's the universe or God or whatever the case may be, yeah. it's already been given to us. And if you look back, like you said, in our lives, we're going to see those moments where we overcame the impossible because we figured out how to do it. Yeah. right? And, and then the lanes of the world come in and I'm going to show you how to do this right or myself or or coaches or therapists right mm-hmm. that that teach us like you don't have to look outside yourself to heal right you it's inside of you you just have to learn how to do it um yeah. and but you know as we know lane that there's people go through different stuff and, and going through a, living in a cult where your family members were involved. And like you said, like my heart goes out to you, right? Because when you're stuck by yourself and you're like, how am I going to get out of this? That's when you really know how strong you are. When you now, like you said, you turned 50 last year, I'm going to be 56 this year. And I'm going to like, with all the stuff that's happened in, in my recovery, I'm like, like, how did that happen? You know? But here's the thing is, For me, it's like God puts people in my life like yourself that share their stories. And this is the whole reason I've started the podcast, right? So you could share your story with the world and my audience can go, wow, I never saw it like that before. Like, you know, when it comes to the arts and, Mm -hmm. um, right. And, and some of us have to be like our own coach, our own mentor, right. Until, and then those people do come in. Has anybody, you know, along this journey, right. You said, you went to therapy in your 30s is there anyone that you can look back now and go oh i learned a lot from that person they were actually there for me when that happened and you know right and sometimes it's later like for us in life and sometimes it's early when did that happen for you
0: i would say the top level most influential person in my sort of human journey was the therapist that i worked with for ended up working with for 19 years actually Um, and he was sort of the right person at the right time. And just a little backstory on how I ended up getting into therapy. And, you know, I mean, listen, to be fair, I had some great teachers growing up, um, especially mentors in the arts. Um, but, and those were all, they were all very influential and I, you know, and I was always so hungry to be around people that i was inspired by and i was always right. seeking out people i, I want i love that part about you i want to be around you i want to soak right. that in how do i develop that in myself right right and so right. i always had those people but to they were kind of fleeting though you know in, in the arts it, when you're a professional in the arts a lot of times you're on the road right and so you you're working on right. a project for five months six months and you're with an incredible team and then you're off to the next project and then you're working with new people so I will say that, you know, what happened for me was I worked as a professional until around age 30, and something started happening for me about that career. I suddenly started really disliking it and just feeling like so black about the whole thing. And I was like, what's going on? Like, this is what I have a degree in. This is what I learned how to do. This right. I spent a whole life training to do this. I couldn't understand what the heck was going on. And um Meanwhile, I was I was um, I just recently got married and I was uh, having um, a whole string of miscarriages and I was in this incredibly difficult situation. And, um, you know, there was just so many things that were happening that were kind of all sort of falling down for me. And so when I got into therapy, somebody gave me his name and I, you know, right? Like you, like you say, you always got those people who happen to be the connectors to get you to the next right person mm-hmm. in your life. Right. And um, the work that I did with him, I call him the doc. Um, <laughs> and, he, you know, sadly, he passed away last year. Um, but he, over time, he became my, you know, my greatest resource. And what he right. helped me to do was to... Very safely and very carefully sift through my past and understood stand what had happened to me and helped to heal that little by little. But also, what he helped me do was he really helped me to under uncover um, what my true gifts and talents are. And my and yes, I'm a performer. Yes, I, I have all that. But really, what my gifts are are. Somebody who truly, truly loves the human journey and human beings, and being able to help people um, like know that they're not alone, right? We're all in this this tough, these tough journeys. And believe it or not, even though my story is different from yours, we have so many similar threads in our lives and we can understand each other because of that. And so, He was truly the one of the greatest gifts of my lifetime. And the work the work that I did with him was not only healing, but it was um, I was able to shed so many things that were in my way of being my true self, of being, you know, accessing my true essence, of accessing my um, power and my, and my, um, ability to have a life that felt more fulfilling and more joyful and more easeful. And, you know, I don't mean to say that therapy is for everybody, right? It's not, you have to find the vehicle that works for you. Um, you know, and, and especially now, I think we're all struggling coming out of the pandemic and like, everything's kind of exacerbated for us right now in terms of like, what do we do now? You know? Right, um, You know, those, those pieces and parts of, of, of finding the thing that helps you or the person that helps you, um, you know, that experience, it was the gift of a lifetime. And I always say that, you know, um, and um, it really was sort of this singular relationship that created an incredible amount of safety and trust that I had never had before because I lived in a, in a situation that was so unsafe. Right. Um, And then that allowed me to begin to start to have safety and trust within myself. And so that was a real big one for me, a real big one. Um, And I'm, you know, I'll be grateful forever for it, you know? So.
2: And, And that's gotta be tough, right? You go to therapy And you're sitting there. Right. And, you know, and they're saying, you know, they're they're trying to help you. But, you know, back in the little parts of our brain coming from like whatever trauma we came from, like, first, I know I'm going to let me speak for myself. When I first did therapy and stuff, you know, to try to unpack some stuff, I'm like, I still I don't trust you. I don't even know if this is going to work. Right. That self-doubt and right. self sabotage wants to come in and go. You're not here to help me. You're here to hurt me. So I think we should stop, right? Yeah. But that's awesome. You found someone that helped you and you realized that they were truly there to help you grow yeah. as a human being. And those are hard to find. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah. they're- I
0: was going to say, as you were talking, not I got really lucky, you know, and this is not in any way a, a slam to- you know the therapeutic world but not all therapists are created equal right like there's there's that's you know but i will say that like you know to what you were saying about this this you know coming in with resistance and and sabotage i did all of that max i walked into my first therapy session and i said to the doc you know, I had a pretty normal childhood. You know, I'm not really sure what the source of my problems are. You know, like it never occurred to me to like tell, you know what I mean? Like, I do. That is the, the normal resistance that most of us have, you know? And because we have such painful experiences, our human nature is to want to bury them and to want to put them away and to want to not look at them. And that's. That's what we all do to some degree, right? Absolutely. So one of the cool things about, you know, whether you find a therapeutic situation that really works for you, whether you find, you know, utilize creative expression is like, you can find a way to kind of unearth some of these tough things in a safe way. Like right. creativity is a safe container. Whether yeah. you know, if I'm, if I'm making a painting, that is going to be a safe container for me putting my emotions into that right i don't have to bleed out all over the place (laughs) i'm putting it into a specific form that helps me to transform that painful feeling into something really beautiful that i can be proud of right and so i think our normal you know going back to what you're saying our normal response to difficult stuff is to be like no
2: way, not
0: doing it, not going there. Right. You know,
2: and it's well, that's so- that, that's that, you know, fight or flight, right? Like yeah. anytime the human mind thinks it's in trouble, it either wants to shut down, right? Yeah. And run.
0: Yeah.
2: Or fight, right? That's that basic instinct that we've all been born with. And yeah. depending on what you've gone through, right? A lot of people will either run or yeah. they fight. And to give us, like I like to say, to give ourselves that break to let someone help us when you find that person, right? As you know, it it took a long time. I mean, you told me it was 19 years, right? We know that unpacking a lot of stuff and and addressing it and facing it takes time. And, um, you know, kudos to Doc, right, that he helped Mm -hmm. you do that because then I wouldn't be sitting here with Lane today, right? Who knows where Lane would be? Right, exactly. Uh, right, but it, it's. I like to tell people because you know, as a substance abuse counselor, I run into that, especially the younger ones. Right, they come up with this brick wall and <laughs> like yeah. I am not going to let you in, yeah. Because you know, uh, it's been proven that most addiction has been caused by trauma. Right, something that they've gone through, and um, luckily for me, I try to under. You know, I understand that, and I I don't dig real deep real quick, but. I just tried to let them, my whole thing is to let them know I'm here because I care, because I want you to feel safe. You talk about whatever you want. I could talk about the dog you walked the other day, but let's just get to know each other, you know? Yeah. And, um, but it's been an interesting process. And like I said, you know, the journey like you and I have been on, you know, in your journey and my journey led to this moment right here. So uh, tell the audience, let's get into your book. Like what yeah. led you to write your book and, and tell the audience what it's about?
0: Okay. Well, it actually wasn't my idea at all, Max. <laughs> and to be honest with you, it is the absolute last thing I ever thought or wanted to do. But um, I'm sure you know this, in different moments in your own life, life steps in and says, actually, we have a different plan for you. <laughs> so <laughs>
2: Never
0: um, I had been... Um, I had just gotten my son off to college and that was a journey. My son is on the autism spectrum. And so we had some extra layers of, of, you know, mother, son growing up like that. You know, any of your listeners out there who might be parents of special needs kids, it's it's a it is a tough journey. Um, and I'm thrilled and happy to say that he is doing so great. He's thriving. He's going. He actually went off to study music in Boston um, but literally I had gotten him out the door and I, I said to myself and to my husband, I said, okay, I deserve a break. This has been 19 years of like brutal, hardcore work. And I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to just take a little breather. And, um, I was on a, uh, um, a podcast. I was doing a podcast interview maybe two weeks after the, my son went to college and the woman, um, who has since become a very close friend, said to me, you have to tell this story. You know, you have to tell your story. Um, you know, you got to write a book. And I'm going to connect you to my publisher. <laughs> and I, I had this incredibly, like, um, I don't know what the word is, but a big reaction to it. And it was like no... Fucking way. I am not going. <laughs> I just I got it. done doing all this really hard stuff, including helping myself and helping my son. And then my beloved <laughs> husband, after a couple of days of me just going, like bah, that's God, he said, Can we just look at this for a second? Let's just take a second to look at this. And um, you know, eventually what happened was I did realize that it was sort of life stepping in saying, actually, this is the, the most important thing you could be doing right now. And um, what I realized, like I shared with you earlier, was that I I didn't want to tell this story. I wanted to put it in my past and bury it and shut it down right. and ha- not have it in the light of day. And, you know, one of the the cool things is that, you know, I realized that I wasn't walking my talk to the best of my ability, I wasn't sharing a really important kernel of why I do and who I am today, why I do what I do and and, and who I am today, I realized that life was stepping in to really help me grow in that way and to be able to help people in in a bigger way too, because I wasn't owning everything that I needed to own about my story. So once I grokked that, I set to the, I set to the work of writing the book and, um, you know, I don't, I, I think I'm a, I think I'm a really good writer, but I'm not a writer. Right. Like, I don't, I, it's not like I said, Oh, you know, I, I want to be an author now. Like,
2: you right. know? So <laughs> I know what you I mean. set
0: out, yeah, I just set up to like, okay, let me, let me use my creative skills. Let me use the storytelling of my journey. And so I wove it into like a part memoir of my early life. And, um, and then it's also part toolbox. And so it kind of weaves together. I kind of take the reader on this journey alongside me as I kind of recount these stories and these moments and these aha experiences and these awakenings mm-hmm. as I went through my life. And then at the end of each chapter are really practical, fun, frolicky, creative tools that the reader can try on in the in sort of in the privacy of their own home. You know, like see, right. like, you know, these, these are tools that are meant to help reduce anxiety, reduce you know, improve depression, improve um, you know, ways to deal with triggers. Right? These are right. very specific tools, but they're kind of you know, in a way that really helps us to understand that, you know, creativity doesn't just have to be, I'm singing a song or I'm painting a painting. It can be anything that puts you in the flow of that experience of sort of releasing stress, releasing right. that dysregulation that comes when you are having those, those moments. And so I, you know, I'm happy to say that, um, the book was, you know, I took my own medicine, right. As somebody who <laughs> teaches this stuff, right. Um, was a great lesson for me to be able to write the book and be able to weave it together in this way like i healed another layer for myself in writing right. it owning that part of my story and i was able to transform it and that's a beautiful thing about the arts like when you share your story through a creative means you transform it into something that mm-hmm. is useful and beautiful and um so that's really what the book is about i you know there's there's some short stories in there. There's, you know, a lot of, um, you know, um, truth telling. Um, you know, I, I always say that the book is sort of like irreverent and, you know, um, you you know, I, I, it's not, it's not airing dirty laundry at all, but it's really just about like sharing the story from an authentic place that, you know, um, was, was for me the ability to sort of reclaim those pieces that I lost in my right. early life, and so I could share these things, and then I could I could unearth them and reclaim them for myself these 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 parts of me that I was missing, and I, and that's what I talk about a lot in the book is you know uncovering, recovering, and discovering parts of you that you've lost over the course of your life, right? And I, I'm sure that all your listeners can relate to this in some way, like how life happens to us, right? Whether it be the the family dynamics, the generational wounds, the relationships, uh, the events. What I think tends to happen for many, many people is we tend to get cut off from important parts of ourselves or we are we have to hide them away in order to be acceptable to the situation that we're in or right. the relationship that we're in. And so little by little we bury these parts of ourselves or they get we lose access to them.
2: Right.
0: And so part of the mission or the essence of the book is sort of taking the reader through this this kind of just very real journey of how do you use creative expression to reclaim those parts to discover what you're missing and you don't even know you're missing but that things that you don't even know that you're missing can wreak havoc on your mental health they can create those struggles and those strains because we're not aware of them you know um so you know that's the essence of the book and at, at the end of the day i think my hope is that um, you know that that a we can help to destigmatize mental health, create more conversation around mental health. Mm-hmm. B we can help to destigmatize the notion that creative expression isn't for artists. It's actually your most powerful tool and toolbox that belongs only to you. That's your particular voice. Um, And one of your most powerful tools to help yourself. And so I think that's, you know, I think that's really what ended up coming out of it, even though I wasn't quite sure how I was going to do it. It turned out in a way that I think really um, captures the essence of the power of the arts, you know.
2: Right. And the arts could be anything if you think about it. Right. But tell, let me back up a little bit. Tell the audience what the name of your book is so they can find it.
0: Yeah. It's called Lifeline. Lifeline. Recovering your mental wellness through uncovering your creative brilliance.
2: I love and, that.
0: And that I... brilliance is something that I talk about in the whole in the book like that is that's our that's our essence, right? The, those are our gifts and treasures and resources and assets. That is our brilliance that we bring to the table of our lives and you know, it's really about being able to access and, and and bring more of that brilliance to your life for your own betterment, for your own wellness, and for, you know, sharing that with the world if you want to, too, you know?
2: Absolutely. And right, go find your creativity. I mean, I know people like doing yard work. That's their creative outlet, you know? and
0: Well, I, I want to say something about that, you know, that creativity does, like I said, doesn't have to be painting or drawing or
2: right. singing,
0: or dancing, right? It could be decorating a cake. It could be rearranging your furniture into in a way that feels <laughs> right. Like, right. You're, like you're in the flow of something, right? It could be gardening. It could be, you know, um, I don't know, um, uh, building a birdhouse, right? Whatever. like Whatever. And, and the key to, to creativity is flow. It's anything that puts you in the flow. Right. And that's different for each of us. And that's specific to each of us. What do we naturally want to do? What do we gravitate towards? You know? And those that flow experience is really what puts us in that place of being able to access the things inside of us and to, you know, help us re-regulate in these difficult moments when we need a tool, when we're we're freaking out, we're triggered, we're we're feeling anxious, we're feeling dysregulated, we're feeling, you know, stressed, all of it. That flow, putting yourself in a situation where you are getting in the flow, will help to release that and really help you re-regulate. I mean, it's really? that powerful. It's a great tool.
2: Absolutely, I love it. You know, and this is, I'm glad you brought that up, right? Cause my wife is fluent in autism, let me tell you. Cause uh, okay. uh, her brother right? Is autistic and schizophrenic. And I'm like you, I've been on a mission since I became a substance abuse counselor, not only to break the stigma of addiction, but mental health. Cause I worked in mental health for five years and yeah. you know, some very successful people I know had suffered from mental illness. Right. Um, I don't know if she is now, but the lady who was the president of the USC school of law, right. Was diagnosed with bipolar. Uh, one of the bosses at the county who was running the mental health right has was diagnosed with bipolar and but you if you look across all genres right whether it's music movies there, you always hear well look at Jim Carrey he comes out and he says i'm bipolar right and yeah i think all of us right because of the stresses of the world have some form of anxiety, depression, or, you know, that we struggle with, right? Yeah. And some people are taught, oh, you don't talk about that, right? Which you and I know if we don't, that makes it worse. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and I'm like you, I want to I have a place where people can come on my podcast and talk about whatever they want because that's your story. and And who am I to say, Lane, you can't talk about this or you can't talk about that because it's, you know, but you are helping my audience by them now understanding, okay, here's possibly another avenue I could seek out, right? To get help or to, you know, figure out what's going on with myself. Right. And I just, I love it. I love it. Cause I, I too, why, well, you know, I wrote a book and this is going to get into some of the questions that I love to ask my guests. Right. So I wrote a book, but it took me Because years of procrastination and like you, my wife was like, do it. Don't just talk about it. Go do it. Right. Maybe this. And for me, it was very cathartic to write that book. Right. Because I had just lost um, my sister um, three days after I turned 13 years sober. And then eight months later, my brother would commit suicide. And, you know, and then, then I had to watch my mom slowly die of a broken heart, you know, and so I reached out to some friends who had helped me with it earlier. And I said, let's finish this. So what I like to ask, right? Cause uh, in my eyes, you're very fearless, right? Even though, are we really going to be fearless? Right? Yeah. So part of the, my title is fearless. What does fearless look like for you lane? And how does that show up in your life today?
0: Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a well-known saying, but feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, and that's what fearless looks like to me because um, I feel, you know, I'm speak for myself, but I'm, I'm sure many of your listeners can relate to this. Like fear is a very real human emotion that we all have. And sometimes fear is a good thing, right? Like mm-hmm. watch out for that cliff over there, you know, ah, you know, have the fear of like, don't, don't, don't be careless. Right. But I think the fear for me, the fear is makes me realize that it's something that I um, <clears throat>
2: excuse me
0: am in need of exploring. Right? If I feel fear, afraid of it, it's almost like, oh, what's going on in here that maybe I could understand on a greater level. You know, what well, maybe I could benefit from understanding, like why am I so afraid of this? You know, um, and so for me. Fearless is knowing and accepting and and embracing the fact that I am feeling afraid of trying something new, of doing something I've never done before, of stretching myself out of my comfort zone, right? I'm naturally going to feel afraid of that because it's unknown. But the fear doesn't mean that it's going to hurt me or that that I shouldn't do it. It just means that I'm a normal person who could stretch a little bit, take baby steps and stretch into something that could actually expand me, grow me, benefit me. But I'm going to feel the fear and know that it's there and still take steps towards it.
2: Right. There's like, um, I don't know if you know, you probably do David Goggins, right? He says that, like he says, learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable because that's where you grow right and a lot of my mentors and people that i follow are big on that right like push yourself if you're afraid good go do it right Yeah. yeah um and we know like some people get paralyzed by fear and don't want to do anything um but i have learned as i have gotten older right and healing myself and, and staying sober right like unpacking some of the stuff that why i used over because i just didn't you know those feelings i didn't want to feel right yeah um for that for me is a big you know overcoming of fear because how am i going to help someone or how am i going to have a conversation with you lane if i was so fearful you know you come on here max are we going to do this interview and i'm like what? yeah <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah I don't know. Okay. But you know what I mean? And and you're right. Will we ever, and I've said this over and over on the podcast, because I learned this from a mentor, will we ever become fearless? Probably not, but (laughs) we will learn how to fear less. Right. The more we do things that scare us and we just go do it. Right. I mean, we're going to make informed decisions, right? We're not just going to like, okay, I'm going to jump off this cliff without a parachute. Right. And hopefully, you know, I'm going to overcome that fear. But you right. know what I mean? Like, that's how I overcame my fear of heights. I went skydiving
1: yeah.
2: right, and climbed some very tall ladders when I was in the fire department <laughs> yeah. way back when. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, knowing that there's so much on the other side that you can learn, which helps yeah. you then grow as a person, right? When you look back right. and go, wow, I did that. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love that, you know? And so my next question is happiness. And if you see, I put a Y in it. Uh Uh, What does happiness mean to you today, Lane? And how does that show up in your life on a daily basis?
0: Um, I feel like there's like two to three stages of happiness for me. Um, And this is what it shows up for me. The first stage of happiness starts when I can feel a moment of ease, okay? And as somebody who has a trauma background, and I'm sure many of your readers out there can relate to this, or listeners can relate to this, that when you're struggling, you don't often feel ease at all, right? Mm -hmm. And And it becomes this sort of norm to just feel like this level of unease or strain, and you don't even realize how much you're carrying until you have a moment of ease, and you're like, oh, God. You know, so for me, that's where I can get some space, that ease, to have what I feel is sort of the next step of happiness, which would be feeling aligned with myself. You know, um, mm-hmm. and and whatever that might be, that might be doing something for me that that's like self care, that might be making the decision to say no to something that I know is not. You know, setting a boundary or mm-hmm. saying no. Um, but that alignment for me, like when I sort of feel um, with myself or within myself in a really strong way. And then the third part of happiness for me is the sense of freedom or flow, right? When I'm not blocking that feeling of happiness and joy, um, but I, I, you know, and in, in a trauma situation, that's one of the first things that happens, you know, you, you that trauma response blocks your ability to feel happy and joy and, and connection and all the things that bring happiness. And so, you know, that final stage for me is, is, you know, is that feeling of, can I trust being in the flow? Can I trust that sense of openness? And that's when I have these moments of happy because... created some space in myself i've been able to sort of you know create this feeling where i'm aligned and then the opening towards joy comes from within and it comes from that feeling that nobody can take away from you it's not based on you know and don't get me wrong like there's a lot of things out there that make me happy i love beaches (laughs) i love hiking i love mountains all of it right those things make me happy but but the happiness that I think you're referring to and and I'm certainly talking about is that thing inside you that, you know, that lives with you and lives in you. And you know it's there and you can access it to the best of your ability throughout your life and hopefully gain more skills that, that it grows and becomes more and more prominent in your life. Right. Nobody can take that away. That's not going to be based on anything that happens in your life you know, moving parts of your lives of your life, like that is just gonna be in you. And that's that's the gift of the journey, right?
2: Right. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I love it. So Lane, if people want to work with you or get their or get your book, obviously, how can they get a hold of you?
0: Okay. A couple different ways. I have a, a website that's just my name, LaneGardner.com. And there's all kinds of resources on the website, um, my individual coaching. There is um, a link to my nonprofit where I do work, Therapeutic Arts Nonprofit, where I do work with communities. Um, and that the name of that nonprofit is called Thread, but you can find it through my website. Um, and, um, you know, there's access to my music as a songwriter. There's everything there in that hub. Um, You can also find me, like I said, through the nonprofit organization as well, which the website is actually ThreadConnects, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-S dot org. And that has all the information about the work that we do in community. And then you can find me, of course, on socials, you know, just Lane Gardner, um, Insta, Facebook, LinkedIn. You know, I'm very active on all of those, especially now (laughs) with the (laughs) book launch. I will say about the book that it officially launches on January 25th. Um, so a little less than two weeks from now. Um, there's pre-order on Amazon right now for Kindle only, but everything's going to be available for paperback and for the Kindle ebook um, as of January 25th. And, um, you know, that's that's where you can get the book. And, uh, you know, the last thing I'll say is um, – I would just, I would love to connect with anyone out there who is resonating with what they're hearing today. One of the most important things that we all need is community and connection. And, you know, you can always reach out to me through any of these vehicles. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to hear how creativity has helped you. Um, And, uh, you know, let's build the, let's keep expanding the circles of connection.
2: I love it. I love it. That was one thing that I learned about addiction. Everybody would say, what's the opposite of addiction? And it's not sobriety. And I was like, what? And a gentleman I listened to on YouTube said, no, the opposite of addiction is connection, right? Is awesome. we got to love on our addicts. We got to love on the people who are struggling, right? Because they've already been kicked to the curb or, you know, and, and, it's what i love about this right i got I, I get connected with lane and we have this awesome conversation thank you so much for for joining me here on and and sharing your story and it, it's been amazing um but you're not quite off the hook just yet lane i get to ask one last question that i ask all Good. my guests uh-huh. right before we go and that is What is the one piece of advice you could give my audience to help them grow as a human being and become a better person?
0: Great question. I would say that the advice that I truly, truly believe in is to find ways to know, discover, uncover, recover, believe that you have everything that you need for this life for navigating the ups and the downs, and also for living your fullest life. Um, you know, we, have a, we all have a tendency to want to look outward for answers, for solutions, for, um, you know, things and people out there to tell us what to do and how to do this and how to be and how to live life. And I'm not saying that those resources aren't Um, helpful for us. They can inform us. But I I always just, I truly believe that the more that we can find ways to really access what we have inside us, um, that's really the only game in town. And we have this incredible brilliance inside us that um, is unique to each of us. And find ways to go within And see what you've got, because it's going to blow your mind. The more you dig in, the more confident, capable, peaceful, regulated, happy, fulfilled, you will feel. The answers are inside of you.
2: I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for being here, Lane. This has been an amazing time I am so glad that you came on today and, and, like I said, shared your story with my audience and, and, and with me. Um, I had such a great time. So you heard her, everybody, right? If, if Lane made you think, if she made you smile, if you learned something, or like I like to say, if she made you go, hmm, I like that. Please go to iTunes and leave a five-star review so more people can find the podcast. Um, again, good morning. Good afternoon or good evening. Wherever you are in this world, this is Max.
1: And until next time. Are you tired of being weighed down by life's traumas and struggles? Join the fearless happiness lifestyle and let us guide you toward a brighter future. Explore past podcast episodes and get a copy of the fearless happiness book to ignite your inner strength. If you or someone you love is battling addiction or facing challenges related to unresolved trauma, know that we are here for you. Visit maxnates.org. M-A-X-N-I-J-S-T dot O-R-G and take the first steps toward finding your fearless happiness. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of Fearless Happiness.